Support for OPB comes from our members and from our sponsors, like Tracy Ray from the employment law firm of Baron Lehman. Tracy says that OPB sponsorship is a great way to support the community and connect with Baron Liebman's clients. This is Think Out Loud on OPB. I'm Dave Miller. There's a new effort at Oregon State University to provide better mental health supports to veterans and other military-connected students. It'll focus on the specific mental health needs of this specific population. Don Phillips knows these needs well. He served four years as an active-duty Army medic, including a deployment to Iraq. He graduated from OSU in 2016 before becoming a licensed counselor. He was hired in August to coordinate these new services at OSU, and he joins us now. Welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us. Where did the idea for this new position come from? Well, Oregon State University has made a recent push um, to try to uh, serve populations that have different mental health needs uh, and to identify those populations. They've looked at like student outreach, um, you know, faculty conversations, as well as uh, statistics. And so the uh, veteran and military connected student coordinator is just one of the latest in the coordinator positions that OSU has brought on. What does it mean to say that somebody is military connected? Yeah. So for OSU's definition of that, um, that can be like ROTC students who are currently uh, using the reserve officer training core program to uh, work towards um, commission as officers in whatever branch of the United States military that they are currently doing their ROTC program through. Uh, but it also touches on um, like dependence of uh, veterans and service members. So and, like their children. And, and, and then there's also um, students who are veterans. Correct. Yeah. The, so it, it, it does divide my position into veteran and military connected. Hmm. So it's veterans and also active duty. And sometimes there's overlap. You know, some individuals will be uh, active duty or in the National Guard and actively serving in the Guard and be pursuing the ROTC program because they want to work towards being an officer instead of lower enlisted. Hmm. How big is this population when you add everybody together? So we have over 2,000 uh, veteran and, and or active duty service members uh, attending OSU, either on campus here in Corvallis through the Cascades or our eCampus program. Uh, we've also got three ROTC programs. We have the Army ROTC, Air Force ROTC, and then the Navy ROTC, which includes both the Navy and Marine Corps programs. Uh, I don't have numbers on the ROTC, um, but yeah, we're looking at over 2,000 uh, students at OSU. How does the prevalence of mental health problems among veterans compare to the general population? That's a hard one um, because one of the things, so in 2019, uh, the Reed Group did a study at the behest of the Oregon Department of Veterans Affairs and the Oregon Health Authority. Uh, and one of some of the findings were a little counterintuitive. You know, they found that um, oftentimes veterans will report at a higher rate that they've never been told they have uh, a depressive disorder, while at the same time, um, they are some, depending on what age range we're talking about, up to two and a half times as likely to die by suicide as their civilian counterparts. How do you make sense of that? So I would make sense of that by looking at this culture in the military to embrace the suck or just to drive on through adversity 
which can often leave individuals not reporting when they're not feeling the best. You know, when we look at a uh, depression diagnosis, we are looking for specific diagnostic criteria, and those tend to be based off of individual reports. So if a person is like, yeah, well, I, I feel like garbage most of the time, nearly every day, but that's just normal, they might not report that that's something they're struggling with. Hmm. Um, I, I imagine that this then has to be one of the challenges of your job. How do you get people who might most need the kind of help that it's now your job to provide to seek you out? I, I go into their spaces. Um, so I do a lot of outreach, which is part of my position. Um, I spend time in the Holcomb Center for Military and Veteran Resources uh, here on OSU's campus, which is a place that has uh, computers and study areas for veteran and military connected students to just kind of utilize and hang out in. And so I just, you know, I mill about in the spaces, I interact with students, I let my my face be known and kind of introduce myself as a fellow veteran. Um, you know, one of the things that often also according to the Reed Group study uh, is the case for veterans is that they have concerns about mental health professionals not really understanding the context of their service. And so that that feeling misunderstood can also be a barrier for these individuals to try to access treatment. Hmm. How would you describe your reentry to civilian life after your four years of active duty, which included a deployment to Iraq in 2009 and 2010? Yeah, I'd probably describe it as messy. Um, you know, I, to a certain extent, I think I took a, a pretty typical trajectory um, upon exit from the military where um, it was figuring out what's next. And like many individuals uh, who earned the GI Bill during their time in service, college just felt like this, the direction to go. And it took me a little while to, to navigate and address the issues I was facing as I exited the military and tried to reintegrate into the civilian population while being surrounded by traditionally aged college students um, who didn't all necessarily have the same ideas on accountability and communication that I had. What are examples of, of what you're talking about there? Yeah. So um, a common saying in the military is right place, right time, right uniform. Um, you know, and things like if you're not 15 minutes early, you're late. And so a lot of the time you will have uh, these non-traditional students who have served time in the military approaching their schooling from a place of a mission focus. Um, you know, they're there to get their degree. Um, where sometimes you might find that individuals who are attending college directly out of high school, your traditional age college students, are there for the college experience as well. Um, Is there a part so, of you that thinks college would, would be um, more effective for people if more people had had the military approach you're describing? To an extent, yeah. You know, to, I, I got I to gotta give it props. I think that the college experience is great for some people, and it really gives, like— it gives them the opportunity to figure out who they are because a lot of the time, you know, being a non-traditional student means that you've spent your like teens to early twenties exploring your identity in a different context. Mm -hmm. And where a lot of these individuals who are traditionally aged students, this can be their first time not under their parents' roof or like being on their own and responsible for themselves. Hmm. 
What are some of the other cultural differences between military life and civilian life that that were a real challenge for you and that and that you think your awareness of those are, are crucial for your current job? Yeah, I think that one of the big things that both is something I experienced to an extent, but I see a lot more in the population is is isolation. Um, you know, in the military, one of the things, if you ask many service members what the thing they miss the most about their time in service, it's the camaraderie. Now, that's not everybody. You know, that's um, individuals are all different. But what you find is these individuals will miss camaraderie and then they will come out of the military and find themselves in situations where they don't feel comfortable interacting. They don't know, you know, the, the norms are different, um, whether it's we're talking about like the kinds of language we use because veterans not always but often can be crass. Um, as well as like terse communication, which is common in the military. And so individuals can receive negative feedback and like it can lead towards isolation, which can exacerbate any existing mental health concerns, which is common because I believe the same regroup study had something like 85 percent of uh, prior service members have uh, experienced potentially traumatic events in their lifetime with an average of 5.4 times, uh, 5.4 events. The sense I got is when when you were talking about um, your transitioning from the military, that, that going to college, it seemed like just the, the next logical step, but it didn't seem like you necessarily knew what would follow from there. You were just sort of following this path. What drew you to becoming eventually a, a licensed professional counselor? My history as a medic, you know, when I... Uh... By the time I got to college, the most rewarding thing I'd ever done in my life was help others in my capacity as a medic. And, you know, I also developed a distaste for emergency medicine during that time. Um, and as somebody who has a, uh, a deep interest in people and the way we operate, um, psychology and later becoming a counselor just ended up feeling like the right path to take and uh, kind of a value matching choice. What kinds of veteran-specific services do you wish had been available for you 10 years ago when you were at the, the same university where you're now an employee? You know, a, a few of them are already in, in existence now. You know, when I was at OSU, we didn't have a, a military and veteran resource center. We, uh, I, I actually worked for our – when they hired our first uh, director of – military and veteran resources. I was one of his first work studies and we worked out of a room that was a little bit bigger than a closet. Um, and then there was a tiny little hallway that attached to another small room with a couple of computers in it. So the the large uh, space that is the Holcomb Center um, is one of those aspects that I would have loved to seen, to have seen, as well as like this position. Uh, as far as what I would like to continue to see um, would be kind of just more integration of intersecting identities on campus. Um, you know, being a veteran is just one aspect of who anybody is. It's it's not completely defining for most people. And so that ability to feel comfortable in all of the spaces on campus is something that I would still like to see um, what, for what our is, students. What do you think that would look like? I think it would look like an organized effort between like the various cultural centers and community partners on campus um, to like celebrate intersecting identity uh, and like, you know, what what makes people people, you know, during the military, during uh, 
during Black History Month celebrating the history of service of Black and African Americans in the United States military. Um, you know, when we look at uh, Indigenous people celebrating the history of um, disproportionately high service among Native populations, especially tribes like the Lakota, or how during World War One there was this large push of service among Native Americans when they weren't even given citizenship. And so, like, specifically for my population, like, celebrating these intersecting identities and drawing community for these individuals who might not match the stereotype of a veteran. Don Phillips, thanks very much for joining us. It was a pleasure talking with you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Don Phillips is the new coordinator of veteran and military-connected student mental health and wellness at Oregon State University. Our production staff includes Elizabeth Castillo, Roli Hernandez, Gemma Carlo, senior producer Allison Frost, and managing producer Shiraz Sadiq. Nalene Silva engineers the show. Our technical director is Stephen Cray, and our executive producer is Sage Van Wing. Thanks very much for tuning in to Think Out Loud on OPB and KLCC. I'm Dave Miller. We'll be back tomorrow. Think Out Loud is supported by Stephen Jan Oliva. The Rose E. Tucker Charitable Trust, Ray and Marilyn Johnson, and the Susan Hammer Fund of the Oregon Community Foundation. Mm-hmm.